Hello and welcome to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I am your host, Maxine McFarlane, a Jamaican educator living in the United States of America and a nurturer of minds and hearts. This week's episode will be a little different from the ones I have done in the recent past, and it is suited for any audience. Today I will be sharing a conversation that I had recently with a medical doctor in which we talked about a topic well-suited for these times. Our conversation focused on wellness, and I know you will glean many valuable tips from what was shared. The session with Dr. Denise Hunter, also known as Dr. D. Nice Beaujolais, will be presented in two parts, as she shares five keys to wellness. Stay tuned. Let me officially, officially welcome you to the podcast, Dr. D. Nice. I don't know which persona you are today, so I'll leave that up to you in your introduction to tell my listeners who you are. Give us a little background. Okay, well, I am Dr. D. Nice Beaujolais, and when I'm going by the name Dr. D. Nice Beaujolais, my title is Adolescent Wellness Specialist. But if you wanted to Google me and see, is she a real doctor? You'd probably have to Google Dr. Denise Hunter, medical doctor for over 20 years that's board certified in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. I've also done a lot of training in functional medicine. And the adolescent wellness piece came in because I was a youth leader for many years. And when I started doing having my children, I just couldn't, I just couldn't do youth leadership anymore. I don't know if any of your listeners have ever been a youth leader. It's another full-time job. And so I had to find a different way to connect with youth. And plus I wanted to, to kind of reach them in a, on a larger scale, not just in a local church. And so I teach wellness to high school and college age kids, how to become their best. So that's, that's a little bit about me. I'm also, I also serve on the Wake County Public Schools Student Health Advisory Council, which is called the SHAC. It's a volunteer position. Good, good, good. So we are um, serving pretty much a similar population in your work and in mine, because as an educator, I'm also responsible for focusing on the well-being of my students, not just their educational well-being, but also their, their physical well-being. And teaching in during a pandemic this year just shifted everything for me. And um, I also have a keen interest in their social emotional learning. And that's why I'm so intrigued to talk with you based on your background and the work that you're doing. I think it's very critical to, to focus on this whole matter of wellness, because many people are just going on just surviving, you know, living moment by moment. I was listening to a show on my drive home this afternoon, and the person was saying, People are not planning beyond 24 hours now because so much changes from one day to the next. So let's let's start there. Um, I think we're we're living in an anxiety-filled setting right now. You go from one moment of anxiety, you catch a breath, and then you're thrown into another one. So let's start off by talking a little bit about anxiety. Um, so when I think of anxiety, I think of a person or a state, we'll call it, 
of un, of uncertainty and trying to control the uncertainty. So many times, I think a lot of us, because of just the life that we live in a Western world, we really have felt that we were in control of more than we actually were. When in reality, what the, the number that's thrown out there, we're really only in control of about a third of what happens to us. But before that, we all were convinced that we were in control of everything. And then this pandemic just came and really swiped the rug from under us, lifted the veil, curtain was torn, or however you want, whatever analogy you wanted to put it, it really made it very clear that we are not in control of very much. And for some, for people or young people, even adults, even anyone that have already already always felt that they were really in control of everything. You know, I study hard and um, go to sleep on time and do this and do that and do all the right things, then this is for sure going to be the outcome. And because I'm in control, I can control it. I can control this. And unfortunately, there there is the things that we're not in control of. And when you pointed out before that how most people are just really focusing on the next 24 hours, I mean, honestly, phrase that I, I like to explain about anxiety, to look to the future, to try to plan, but you can't plant yourself there. And that's what happens with, with anxiety. People are trying to go into the future and control the future. Nothing wrong with planning, but don't try to sit there trying to control it like you're some sort of, you're in charge of time like that. You're really only in charge of what's going on right this second. I think um, the unknown is another element that brings on that anxiety. And as you were saying, not knowing what's coming makes it difficult for people to plan. And, you know, some people have certain personality types that they have to have all their ducks in a row or they're just thrown off balance. So this is a cycle. This has become a cycle for them where they have pretty much lost control of what they thought they were controlling. Mm -hmm. But it's making it even more difficult for families now to handle many of, of these issues. And they don't even know where to begin. Sometimes parents will reach out to me to ask ask for my recommendation in a decision that they need to make, but it's just so difficult. It's no, it's no longer black and white to say, okay, this is exactly what we should do. Right now, I'm in the situation of making decisions for my own children about school, and so many families in our county are doing that. So what kind of recommendations would you offer or strategies that you could offer for those of us who are dealing with the fear and the anxiety and the emotions that come along with it. Some, um, I've purposely not watched the news every single day because just watching those numbers going up and constantly seeing the number of deaths and cases on the rise, it doesn't help me personally. So that's my choice. That's my way of dealing with it on, on a small scale. So I want, I, 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 I'm hoping you can offer some suggestions? For sure. You know, going back to what I said before, it's really focusing on right now and the try to figure in, figuring out 
what that one third is. What is the third that, that you can really control? Mm-hmm. What is that third? And just like you have realized that, you know, the the news bothers me. I, I watch it and it just, it just makes my, just don't feel good after I watch that. Just the same way that you're able to recognize that and shut it off. That was, that was a decision that you made to control your anxiety. Same kind of thing, looking for the things that you can actually control and the rest, you just kind of lay it to the side. And honestly, I'm saying it that like, that's an easy thing. When you've had many years of feeling that you can control everything, it's hard, pandemic or not, mm-hmm. forced, forced upon you or not. You can't, a lot of people just can't flip like that. You can't flip like that. And that's where people are struggling because they've had years and years, or I mean, if we're talking about like adults, they've had years and years of feeling like they were in control. And if we're talking teens, you've had years, not three years, but you know, <laughs> they've had a few less years of feeling like they're in control. And now all of a sudden you're not. So it's just really practicing the art of knowing what it is that you can control. And maybe this is a, a good w- place to introduce. There is the acronym FOUNT. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Is that? Um, yeah. So it's perfect. Yeah. So I have developed this program called Fount. And Fount is the five keys to wellness and wisdom to help you unlock your best. And each of the letters in Fount stand for something specific, and, which we'll go over. But it definitely is some a good way to really tap into the things that you can tr- control and tapping to ways that you can use to improve your anxiety. Of course, you can use the FOUNT model, the FOUNT program to deal with weight loss. You can do d- use it to deal with diabetes, high blood pressure, whatever, as I, as I go through it. But for today's purposes, since we're talking about anxiety and dealing with that, we'll use, look at it, how we can use FOUNT to help with our anxiety. Before you jump into that, into outlining what Fount is, I just had another thought. Um, in a recent episode on my podcast, I was talking about teachers and how our needs are sometimes put off to the side. We do it ourselves many times, but other times it's because of the demands that are placed on us. And if we're not careful, even parents do, we wear masks because we want to be strong for the children or we just have to get a job done. So we, we, we toughen ourselves up and we keep on going. But I think internally we are having anxiety in, and it's manifested in different ways. It may not be the outward anxiety that other people who look like they're falling apart are having. I kind of want, as you're going through this, for you to address the anxiety that's manifested and the type of anxiety that's also within that we have to deal with within ourselves, and it may not seem to be affecting anybody outside of us. Well, you know what they they, they say: the psyche will not be ignored. You suppress whatever you want to, but your body's natural tendency is to try to repair itself. It repairs cuts. It repairs physical cuts. It re- it's going to repair mental cuts too. 
and it thing it's gonna come out. So you suppress all you want to, whether it's suppressing, it's being suppressed on purpose or whether it's being suppressed because of your situation that you don't you don't feel that you have the ability to let it out. It's gonna come out. If you talk about like in kids, you you you'll end up with behavioral issues poor performance in school, things like that. And if you talk about like adults, that's where you start those more destructive behaviors, you know, alcohol, drugs, beating up on your family, being irritable, angry. You're better off not trying to suppress this is what I'm saying. So tell us some more about this acronym FOUND that you started talking about. I've heard you call it um, the five keys to wellness. So what do the letters in FOUND stand for? So the F in FOUND is for fuel. This is how you fuel your body. And keep in mind that with each of these, each of the letters stand for a particular thing. So that's five keys. And then each of the keys have three sections. So with fuel, we'll, how much, how you fuel your body and to become its best. The O is for optimistic. Finding true happiness is important to becoming your best. The U is for, in fount is for understanding. Figuring out important things will help you become your best. And we'll go into a little bit more detail as we talk, of course. The N is for natural. Um, protecting and healing your body and your mind is a great way to bring out its best. And the T in fount is for time. How you use your 24 hours well and wisely to become your best. So that's that's found. So it sounds like fuel, optimistic, understanding, natural, and time. So let's explore what fueling your body means. Give us some more details about that. So as I said, the F is for fuel and the three parts to it is what you eat, um, the timing of your eating, and how much you eat. A lot of times, especially when we look at things right now, people like 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 I was saying before, when you suppress, try to suppress these feelings, they're going to come out. And a lot of times, people use eating as a way to to control their emotions. When we and it's not when you when you, you try to eating to control your emotions, you're not reaching for a celery or carrot, something nutritious. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you're reaching for. You're reaching for those foods that are naturally formulated to hit those dopamine receptors in your brain. They are designed to stimulate our brains to bring about euphoria, to bring about good feelings, to become to essentially be addictive. And the types of food I'm referring to are the usual suspects, the processed foods and the sugary foods. You want to reach for them to try to help manage your emotions. And they just can't do that for you. They just end they what they end up doing is just throwing your body off balance. If you eat something sugary, it just sends your blood sugar Spiking. sky high. And just bear with me one second. Your body has your body uses this hormone called insulin to lower the blood sugar. But because that sugar came at it so high and so quickly, 
it just kind of throws a bunch of insulin out there and it overshoots the amount of insulin that is needed. Your blood sugar drops really low and then you want to eat again and you don't reach for the carrot. You don't reach <laughs> for the celery. You reach for something sugary and processed again that's going to give you that quick fix. And you end up in this little cycle of your blood sugar going sky high and then it dropping again. When you're anxious, you don't need that kind of up and down, up and down. You need slow and steady. You need a steady homeostatic state going on in your body. You need everything to be even keel. And the only way to get even keel, especially when it comes to your blood sugar, when it comes to food, is eating foods that are high in nutrients. And it is going to be your fruits, your vegetables, your legumes, your whole grains, your nuts, because they're high in fiber. They don't cause that ri rapid rise and fall of your blood sugars like you'd get in processed foods and sugary foods. So there's the correlation, how you'd really put your food together with anxiety. My mind always goes <laughs> to, the, to the children. So um, in light of what you're saying about fueling, I sometimes my heart breaks when I see what some of the students end up eating. But what could you say to a parent? Because there are also parents who listen as a simple way for them to design good fuel for their children's bodies. I would say the recommendation is five, five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. And for my children, what I do, I, I give them two fruit in the morning with their breakfast, two servings. And you'll have to look up serving sizes because it's so variable because you can have one big, huge apple that's actually two serving size of an apple. Two servings of fruit in the morning. And for lunch, I give a fruit and a vegetable. And for dinner, I give two vegetables. And that way they're done. They have their, they've actually been overachievers right there because <laughs> that's six servings when really the recommendation is is five just really start incorporating and, and honestly like for for my kids specifically and for the parents that are listening this is something that you just have to you you have to teach them you you yourself gonna have to do that because your kids are watching you you can't get away from that and you're the example for them you're gonna have to make sure you're eating well and you're going to have to require that of them too and explain to them why it's important. I explained to my kids, I mean, they love to dig into Doritos, but and it's not like I don't buy that for them. Maybe once, once a month or something like that. But we don't, we don't, I don't keep a lot of snackity, snackity foods around my house. I buy fruits and fresh fruits and vegetables. They, if they want to snack on stuff, that's what they snack on. So. That's a good um, time to get into our second key. Tell us more about that second key to help us minimize anxiety. The second part is the O in Fount is for optimistic. And that is the mental aspect of wellness, the part that you try to become a glass half full kind of person. And just going back to what we say, this is something that requires practice. and for 
the purposes of anxiety, one of the, the, the three parts to it I talk about is recognizing reality, making a positive move, and next connecting with love. The first part is recognizing reality. And we talked about it earlier before the reality of, of what makes people very anxious is feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. So recognize that you really weren't in as much control as you thought you were, mm-hmm. which, which is tough, right? Yeah, but you know, have that hard, hard talk with yourself. And recognize the reality of that. Recognize the reality that things, the world is different. This is what I have right now. And when you keep, when you're thinking about, oh, I would, I wish I would have, or you get stuck in the past, or, oh, I can't wait until 2021. Well, we still have several more months, a couple more months to go before 2020. What, what you're going to do with another 60 days? You're just going to lay in your bed? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) There's a reality here that we have to and to deal with what's going on right now. And what I I have people do, which is the next step to make up making a positive move in how to really practice the art of being present, practice the art of focusing on right now is just stop for a minute and just tap into your five senses. When you're sitting there worried about, oh, I wonder how, what's what's going to go on with the kids when they go to school and the this and the that. Do I have a mask for them to wear and how they're going to breathe and what they're going to bring home and all those things. And your mind gets off into a tangent and you're, before you know it, unfortunately, you have yourself and your whole entire family in an ICU on ventilators holding on to your life. And your shoulders are up in your, up up to your neck and you're you're breathing so shallow and just all that thought process just brings on you start feeling it in your body exactly exactly and how to just kind of bring yourself right back to what's going on right now a easy way is just to stop and tap into your five senses the five senses um what am what am i seeing around me Right now, I'm. I mentioned earlier, my my husband's picture is stuck on the wall, so I'm seeing that he has a picture of a a carrot cake. <laughs> Why does he have a picture of a carrot cake? I don't know. There's a picture of a carrot cake. Random office decor. <laughs> I'll have to ask him about that. But um, so what are you seeing? What do you, you you see how all of a sudden I'm just looking, I'm just trying to bring myself with my five senses and all of a sudden it's just whatever was going on. I'm like looking at this carrot cake, you know, you, you begin to notice little things around you when you just see and you begin to hear, what am I hearing? That's another sense. What am I hearing? Can I hear my heartbeat? Can I hear my breath? Can I hear my kids in the other room? They're having themselves a good time while I'm sitting here worrying. What are you hearing? What are you smelling? Hopefully only lovely scents. (laughs) (laughs) But there's aromatherapy that actually, you know, lavender and those things that can really calm the senses. And shift your mood, yes. Yeah. What am I smelling? What am I tasting? Hopefully not... uh, a snicker bar. 
<laughs> but you know, what do I taste? And I feel uh, what what am I feeling? What am I touching? How does my clothes feel against my body? Um, I'm sitting in a chair. Is it hard? Is it my feet are touching the floor? Is it soft? What what am I feeling? And just really tapping into those five senses, just bring your your brain back from the future where it was. You know, just bringing it back to right now and just getting the practice of when you start running off days and days into the future and getting into the spiral to just bring yourself back to now. So what does connecting with love look like? That's the piece I'm intrigued by in this whole matter of optimism. Yeah, well, connecting with love really means just connecting with the spiritual aspect of our humanity. Um, I know in these modern times, a lot of people, we like, we want to ignore that that part even exists because people just don't believe in that there's anything bigger than us as humans or people have been jaded when they try to embrace spirituality in whatever form. And there is, there's a lot of, a lot of research out there that proves that people that have a spiritual connection with something that they just do better. They're less depressed. They're less anxious. They yeah, die. Because they, can, they can pass off the anxiety and the fear onto the higher power. So yeah. they can release yeah. it and they don't have to keep it for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's, uh, that's, there's actual research that shows that they die less of things mm-hmm. that like if you if everybody goes into the hospital with pneumonia, um, the people that have a spiritual connection, they won't die of, of it as much as the person that don't. They die of less of all what they call there's a term all cause mortality. Mm-hmm. They, they suffer less from that. They're happier in their marriages. They have less drug and substance abuse. So the the stats are on your side to find some sort of spiritual connection and resolve whatever resolve whatever issue you may have had with that. All right. So, so I mean the two the two um points that you've already brought to the fore are things that are within our reach. It's not like we have to go spend money that more than what we're spending now to fuel our bodies and to shift our mindset. So no, no. Those are those are things that are within our reach. We don't need a a professional to help us necessarily with tapping into these these things. Because I think the suggestions that you offered are things that we can do as parents. We don't have to go hire a nutritionist to do it, and we don't have to go see a, a psychologist to help us to shift our mindset. If it's, if it's as simple as taking ten minutes to focus on your senses at the end of the day that doesn't require professional help. That's something you can start. You can take that initial step on your own. So I really like how attainable those suggestions are. Exactly. And you know what? It's it's a start. Honestly, cut out processed foods and highly sugared foods out of your life. And I even didn't even mention caffeine, how stimulating it can be. If you cut out a lot of that, you may even notice like how swiftly your your level of anxiety drops just because there's such a correlation with your diet and intake with that. So let's let's move on to the next step. 
understanding. The U in fount is for understanding. So how can we understand, what do we need to understand in order to help anxiety? And the three parts to it is understanding how your body works, understanding how your interactions with other people can affect your health and understanding how laws and society can affect your health and wellness. Anxiety is not the same as um, I'm a little afraid today or I'm, I'm very cautious or anxiety disorder is something, it's actually a disorder and it's diagnosed. You sit down with a healthcare professional and it's diagnosed. So feeling afraid and feeling uncertain for something here and there, it doesn't necessarily mean you have an anxiety disorder. You, you, you're just worried about something. And let me let me back up and, and say something. There is nothing wrong, wrong with worrying, okay? I mean, this is a natural built-in mechanism in your body to tell you that there's something amiss something you need to deal with. It's just when we allow it to dominate our existence. We allow, uh, we, that's, what, that's where we live. We just live in worry all the time. So- That's your natural it, reflex, it would seem. Say that again? I said that, that's, it's almost like it's your natural reflex. Exactly, exactly. So you, you're, you, your body don't even know what to be worried about anymore because everything's a problem. Just wanted to make that point. So going back to what I was saying about understanding that regular day-to-day -day worry or concern or those things, that's that's not anxiety. Anxiety disorder, typically it's something that it affects your function. You're just living on the edge all the time. And it's usually about two weeks consistently of just feeling irritable not able to concentrate. There's a list of of symptoms, so we don't necessarily have to go into it because that's for another show. But just understand that it's not just simple worry. There's a test that your listeners can list can do on themselves. It's called the GAD, the GAD, GAD seven, and they, it's it's Googleable. It's online. You just GAD seven, and if you take the test and you score high. You you should probably you should go see your uh, healthcare provider, mental health provider, to help you sort out whether this is true anxiety disorder or maybe something else going on. So and just the thing, is, the thing about anxiety too, it could breed some of the other things that you were referencing earlier, because it may cause a person to become dependent on substances, and a myriad of other things could come out of just not dealing with the anxiety. Exactly, exactly. And then just going back to the understanding how your body works, you may go online and take this GAD7 and think, oh, yeah, I have anxiety disorder, but maybe you're th something's wrong with your thyroid. Maybe it's not just anxiety. Maybe there's some depression in there, too. Maybe there's some PTSD. Maybe there's some bipolar you don't want to just sit at home and self-diagnose. Definitely, if you score abnormal on any of these online tests, go have a mental health provider help you sort it out and get down to the bottom of it. So just really understanding, that's what I mean by understanding how your body works, just really understanding more of a, a scientific approach to things. And while we're there understanding how our body works, 
what I could, I will advise people to do too, is learning, learning how our body works, the benefits of just taking a deep, deep breath, how calming it is to our bodies. It's, there's actually physiological processes that are happening, (laughs) but just understanding that our bodies, there are mechanisms in there set up to have us win. And if we learn about it, and use it to our advantage to help us win in these kind of situations. So anxiety, it's not just worry. It's bigger than that. And oftentimes we're going to need some help to figure out, do you have anxiety disorder or are you you just worrying? And then understanding how your interactions with other people can affect your health, just like you have avoided the news. You know, worry begets worry. You ever been in a crowd and one person starts freaking out? What? What happened? Mm -hmm. And, you know, those stampedes that they have when people get trampled and crushed Mm -hmm. because, yeah, that's just because these things are, as human beings, we are really, really connected to each other in ways that we don't understand. We're affected by the people that we're surrounded by. And so positively and negatively positively and negatively. Exactly. And with understanding the second part, the third part of understanding how laws and society can affect our health, we don't have to look any farther than the pandemic to see that a couple months ago, we're all just walking around just fine. And then we were told that we need to walk around with masks and instantly we put on our mask. We're told that we need to stay inside for weeks and months and we stayed inside, you know, I'm because it was it was a law you know what i'm saying yes i understand yeah so just there are societal things that are out there that affect our health and then when we go we go back to when i talked about fresh fruits and vegetables you could even there are places here in america land of plenty where people there's a lot of food insecurity where mm-hmm. people actually go kids I'm sure there are kids at your own school that during the pandemic they had to figure out how to feed these children because they know they weren't going to go home to anything exactly so understanding the nature of our anxiety and having the skills to respond to our emotions and the people that we interact with will really make a difference in the way we approach our life and our well-being. And sometimes as adults, it's easier to to process that in in our minds. But these are skills that we can also teach to our children. Am I correct? Of course, of course. You're the authority in their lives. So of course you can teach them, teach them all of these things. I like even with my my boys, if something's if I see them kind of losing it, I I pull them together. I was like, you need to take a deep breath and pull yourself together, you know? Or even if I see them, this always happens to me. I was like, no, it doesn't always happen to you. No, you're not always the one that's getting sick. Though that that word always means that you've never had a moment of health since you were born. <laughs> And that that statement that you've said is not true at all. Yeah, you're not feeling well right now, but it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're this victim and you're, you know, there's nothing that we can do or anything. So you you can 
be there and help your children re- redirect some of those statements that start when you're young. And if you never check them, they continue to live that way. Right. And, and we have to be careful, too, that we aren't the ones saying those things. So they become seeds in their minds. They feed off of that. And before you know it, the things that you're saying become their message, too, and they start living it. Yeah, exactly. Or the way you handle your stress begins to rub off on them. They see you fly off the handle and doing all kind of things to manage stress. Then that's how they manage it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're your child's teacher, and like it or not, they're watching you. Yep, and they they learn more from what we do than what we actually say sometimes. You just listened to the first part of the interview about wellness with Dr. Hunter. Be sure to check out the next episode for the conclusion of our very interesting conversation. I encourage you to apply the first three keys to your life this week and take note of the changes that you observe. In the next episode, we will talk about the final two keys, natural and time. Please join me again here on the Teacher's Tribe podcast. Until next time, walk good and one love.